around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God of these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied, as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattle, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the fourth prophecy. Mortal can say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four, come from the four winds. O breath, and breath upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came upon them, and they lived, and stood on their feet a vast multitude. Then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies, also through his spirit that dwells in you. Hear what the spirit is saying to the church.
God's glory, so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? 
Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. 
says that looking at his brain scan, he was dead. And then not to go into detail about your death experience, but what I think is so important of what I have read of him is that from that experience, now his life is very different. Nothing is the same for him after having experienced that. His understanding of God and of God's love, his understanding of his relationship with other people, all of that has been transformed in some way, and especially transformed around the idea of the love of God, an unconditional love that is available for all of us. In an interview, he says this, God, that divine spark of awareness in each and every one of us, is a very direct link to heaven right here on earth. That's why God's love is within each and every one of us. When we don't attach conditions to this love, and we let it be pure and flow from that all-loving source, that infinite power brings us healing in tremendous ways. And I think he says that in part because of the way that he was healed from that bout uh, of very serious meningitis. But I think his words have a lot of power, and they contain a great deal of truth. There's something about the love of God that is not just something that makes us feel but which is in fact healing to us. Well, in today's gospel, we have the picture of another person who has died. Uh, this person was very dead, according to the text. It's Lazarus, Jesus' friend, uh, someone that it says he loved. But this story, I think, serves a very special purpose, especially in the Gospel of John. This is the last of the great signs that are presented in John's Gospel. And those signs are miracles, always were pointing toward God. And were always an opportunity for people to see how powerful and how loving and how really grace-filled God was and the grace of God before upon God's people. So this is the last of those signs. But for us, I think it serves as another uh, purpose. It is a sort of narrative bridge that takes us into Holy Week. And because in this passage we have uh, hints of what is to come. And certainly we must remember that it is uh, this particular sign that upsets the Jews so much, the Jewish authorities, that is, so much that they decide that they need to kill Jesus. Because we hear toward the end of that reading that there were many who were turned toward God and understanding Him as a Messiah. And for that, uh, many in authority, the Roman and the Temple, were very concerned. I've always found this passage to be particularly uh, powerful for me. Uh, when we were living in Turkey, we didn't have much to distract us in the evening. There was no television, there wasn't much on the radio. And I found myself reading more scripture probably read uh, since on a regular basis. I would, I would read it almost every night. And I was so struck by reading Genesis and coming on through the Old Testament and seeing the power of that scripture. And then when I finally got over to this story, it's as though I'd never heard it before. I'm sure I had. But when I read about Jesus weeping for his friend, I saw, for, I think for the first time, the humanity of Jesus in a way that really connected with me. Well, I, I remember that uh, in passing I mentioned to our priest in Israel, 
Sometimes I think that the only thing that I have to offer is to simply say that God's love will somehow sustain me. It will somehow sustain me. Often we don't realize that we're sustained by it until we look back. Sometimes many days, many months later, but we see that God's love was really there. Yesterday, uh, Friday, I worked on a sermon. It wasn't quite there. I was not very happy with it. And so the, it became sort of a joke among our delegation that I was uh, hoping and praying for some revelation during the, during the convention. And uh, the day went on, and I didn't uh, get much revelation. <laughs> we just had more problems with balance, it seemed. And then uh, the dean of the cathedral, in the, as we were waiting for these ballots to be counted, would have us stand up and sing hymns. And we did this over and over and over again. And finally, the convention started to resist. <laughs> so everything got quiet. And in the midst of that, someone started to sing, Jesus loves me. Now, I don't know if that's a part of your childhood. It was certainly a part of mine. As I think back to the earliest songs that I learned as a child, it was uh, Pony Boy and Jesus loves me. And as I thought about that, it was so appropriate for us as a convention. But it's appropriate for us here now as well. It is the very basis of our faith. It is the first thing that we should teach a child. It is a, an extremely important song for all of us to have in our hearts. Now, I didn't ask the folks at 8 o'clock to sing. <laughs>
presiding bishop, for Tom and Gail, our bishops, for Alan, our bishop-elect, for Tony and Becky, our priests, for Rob, Janet, Judy, and Maureen, our priest associates, for this gathering, and for all ministers and people. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Nippon Kaisei Japan, and the Diocese of Hokkaido, for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for unity in the worldwide Anglican communion. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of St. John's Chapel, Groton School, St. James Church, Groveland, St. Andrew's Church, Hanover, the Merrimack Valley Deanery, Ministries to the Homeless, and the work of electing convention held yesterday. Pray for the Church. I ask your prayers for peace, for goodwill among nations, and for the well-being of all people. Pray for justice and peace. I ask your prayers for the poor, the sick, the hungry, the oppressed, and those in prison. Pray for those in any need or trouble. I ask your prayers for all who seek God or a deeper knowledge of God. Pray that they might find and be found by God. Bonnie, Doug, Demi, 
Thelma, Anna, Molly, Sophie, Jane, Harriet, Wayne, Eric, Helen, Edie, Liz. Those without jobs, those serving in the military, and all who work for peace. We pray also for those who died in the mudslide in Washington State, and for the dead and injured at Fort Hood. Are there others? Pray for those for whom we care and love. I invite your prayers and intercessions at this time, either silently or aloud. Praise God for those in every generation in whom Christ has been honored. Pray that we may have grace to glorify Christ in our own day. O Lord our God, accept the fervent prayers of your people. In the multitude of your mercies, look with compassion upon us and all who turn to you for help. For you are gracious of our souls, and to you we give glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, now and forever.
If you've ever heard this word and wondered, what does that mean? What in the world could it mean for my life? Please do come, even if you haven't been to any of the previous human studies. All are welcome. Uh, additionally, on the adult formation front, this week is the Tanner Lectures down at Harvard University. And the reason I bring this up is that this year's speaker at the Tanner Lectures is uh, former Archbishop Roman Williams. Uh, and it, it really does look truly excellent. So that will be Tuesday and Wednesday at 4 p.m. in Payne Hall in the Music Building. Please come and speak to me and I can give you those details. I just want to rush through. Because additionally, this weekend, uh, also at Harvard, is a New England Anglican Studies Conference on Christianity and Capitalism. Uh, organized by those of my beloved alma mater. So please do come down. It's Friday afternoon and Saturday all day. So I'll just plant those seeds. If you have an interest, please just come speak to me. Putting on a slightly different hat, youth group tonight. <laughs> From 4 to 6, we'll be doing a, a Eucharist for the youth designed by the So please do come. Thank you, David. say a few words about uh, Mary Nadeau and Mike Foxes. When we were little, during Lent, under the aegis of the good nuns, we were taught that the Lenten season was one of making a sacrifice and giving up something that we love, like candy, and giving out uh, white boxes at the same time in which we were meant to put the cost of buying the candy, and then that was given to the church on Easter Sunday. The model was derived, as I know you all know, from Jesus' lesson about the widow's life. That's a very small amount of money which was a more valuable donation than that of a rich man. A greater sacrifice as a widow, because at that time, they had no uh, source of support. As you know, the children in the church school have such white boxes for this season, and all you adults, I hope all of you have been given this morning an envelope. If you haven't, I'm sure you'll be given one before you go. Um, and it's to, say, it's to serve the same purpose as the white boxes, all of which is to support the Beijing Servants' goal of more scholarship revenue for the girls at Mary Newton, many of whose families are not under education, and many of those families are led by widows who survived the genocide. This year, in this Lenten season, are particularly the significant times in Rwanda because it's commemorating the 20th anniversary of the genocide and the resurrection of the country since that really dreadful time. We're very grateful to you and your children for making the sacrifice of filling the white boxes and the envelopes so that the married young men girls who so prize for education, as we all know from their success, can have the promise of the future that their education will provide for themselves, also that for their families, also for the country. And I would ask that when you, when you get your envelope, if you haven't already, the check should be made out to Trinity, uh, and then in the lower left-hand corner, it should say, married young So with great sincerity and enormous gratitude, thank you all, and thanks to your children what you've done for the girls in there. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. I'm Kate Charter. I'm with Martha Stone. I'm a co-chair of the Communications Committee for the Building Project. And we just wanted to encourage you to check out the church website, click on the yellow card at icon for any questions you might have, or better yet, bring any queries to the next two church forum uh, on April 24th, April 27th, and May 4th at 9 a.m. And if you have any questions further, you can contact us through the website. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Kate. And look for best members at, uh, at the coffee hour. They'll have uh, a blue tag, is what they have. So look for them if you have questions. 
Steve involved in the building committee. Claudio does the interim operations. And we work very closely together. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we're dead or alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got a, a couple of things. Um, uh, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, we need some extra hands to help move a few things. Um, we're going to be moving some of the old cute parts out. Um, we're getting ready to clearing spaces for the interim operations. And uh, any extra hands would be helpful. Not a lot of heavy stuff, just some awkward things that we need some extra people for. Moving them across the way to the River Street House. Um, we also would like to save money and, and, and we value recycling. We'd love to know if any of you have moving company boxes that are the standard sizes that would help us pack the storage uh, room more uh, comfortably and you know, efficiently. And we, but rather than just using all uh, the like grocery store boxes. So if you have any, would you let me know? I'll be at coffee hour. And we'd be happy to come pick them up. Um, the other thing is we have a piano giveaway, the white one downstairs. It's uh, very heavy, <laughs> and it hasn't been tuned in a while, so we don't uh, know what you would what you consider the value to be. But we don't need it, we, and we need to move it along to a new home. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. 